The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. This is me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. I hope you're all having a good time and a good day. And if you want, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. All right. Boy, a lot going on. I've been busy today prepping the Bible study and just some other stuff. All right. Now, look, uh, last night... Um, Last night I was on a, uh, on, let's see, how do you call it? I thought it was going to be a debate. I, I had a lot of things wrong. Um, I thought it was going to be uh, a debate uh, where Andrew Rappaport and I were going to do something together. But that's not till March 8th or something like that. Okay. So last night uh, I got on and uh, I was defending the Trinity. And it was on uh, um, Standing for Truth, um, I don't know, a website. And so... I went to town for five hours. This is no joke. Five hours I did that. Five hours. And it was intense for five hours. So, um, you know, I don't know if you out there listened to it or saw that or heard. Love to hear your comments on it. I got upset with a couple of guys because sometimes these anti-Trinitarians, it was on the Trinity, sometimes they're real condescending and interruptive and arrogant. I mean, really bad. They are completely unteachable. You know, they don't care what you say. They just wait till you're done talking so they can talk. There's a few of those guys on last night. It was really bad, but uh, we got past them, and then we had some good conversations with some others who, you know, denied the Trinity, but at least they were polite. So we had that uh, that going on. All right. So, um, oh, I don't see. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Get we're in the right area. So. Whoops. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, so if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's come on the air with David from North Carolina. David, welcome. You're on the air. Hi there, Matt. How you doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there, man. What do you got, buddy? I got a couple questions. Uh, I listened to a debate between you and Dan Barker today. And in your debate, you mentioned how you converted from an agnostic to a Christian in less than two minutes. And you yes. didn't elaborate because you were on a timer. And uh, yeah. I want to know more about your conversion story. My second question is... Okay, let me do that then. Let's do that then. Believe... Let's do that first and then go to the second, okay? We'll do one at a time. Okay. All right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I've, it's, on, it's a testimony I have on CARM. And the short version is is that's when I was uh, I met the Lord. It's when the Holy Spirit came on me with incredible power and holiness and just reduced me to tears. Uh, it was just an instantaneous change, instant. It was just wham, and I was just on the floor, just weeping hard, uh, just moaning and groaning in agony in the presence of God's holiness, and I couldn't get my face any lower to the ground. And then Jesus was just there. You know, couldn't see him or touch him. It just, he was there. I remember it, and um, he stepped into me. He just entered. Like you know, the Bible says, you know, he'll live, can make his abode in us. That's what happened, and I was changed. 
the whole process took a couple of minutes where the spirit conviction lasted for, I don't know, a minute or two, three minutes. I don't know how long it was, but it was tremendously intense. And uh, that's how I got converted, okay? So I can look up for further details on your website, right? Your conversion experience? Yes, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. What title is that uh, conversion experience? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Carm. <laughs> Let's see. Carm.org. Matt Slick's testimony, I think is what it is. Uh, let's see. Matt, okay. that's Matt Slick. Yeah, that's what it is. Testimony of Matt Slick. So, um, okay. oh, yeah, I wrote it there. I need to do a, a video version of it. Uh, I should do that sometime. So, anyway. Yes. My second question is I'm a polytheist, and if I was searching for the true God, what criteria must I have before I begin my search? What uh, criteria must I use to determine which God is the true God? Uh, Jesus is the one who walked on water, rose from the dead, fulfilled prophecy, uh, raised others from the dead, performed many miracles. No one else has done that. So therefore, he's the test. Okay, he's the test. But how do you make it logically follow that he's God? I mean, couldn't there be a God above Jesus and Yahweh, and uh, uh, he just doesn't get involved in the affairs of man? No. There's a logical problem with the idea of polytheism, and I'll see if I can explain it. Uh, there's a if there's many gods of different types and different categories, then there are categories of gods. Then this means that whatever category any particular god fits into fits into an ontological system, an ontological set, a category of gods. Like there's a category of trees, a category of cats, there's a category of rocks. Now there's a category of gods, which means all these gods adhere to the to the substance of the one category, which means that there's something apart from the gods that gives them the quality of being God, which means something ultimate is beyond them because they fit into a single category and there's one category that then uh, designates multiple gods as gods. So then they're all submitted to the category of godness. Now you have a problem. Where does this category come from? And how do multiple gods exist within it? And within this system of multiple gods, which is true? How do you have truth values? I can get into some sophisticated stuff with primary and secondary substances, universals and particulars, but I don't want to do that right now. So see, the thing is that if you have this, it's like this. To ground something in truth, there has to be an ultimate the ultimate means that there's nothing greater or nothing equal to it. So you and I exist. We're talking. Well, where'd we come from? Mom and dad. Where'd they come from? Mom and dad. Where'd they come from? And it goes back. Well, where'd they come from? Well, whatever you want to say. You know, if, I don't believe in evolution. Some people say evolution, and, and I won't even get into that right now. Some say you were created. Okay, fine. Well, either way, what was before that? And what was before that? Until finally, where'd the universe come from? What caused the universe? There has to be a single cause of everything. Because if you don't Why have a single... Why does there have to be a single cause? Because if you, if you have multiple 
causes, then you have multiple ultimates. And by definition, it's impossible to have multiple ultimates, which means there's an equality of multiple causations, which then means you're into another the same category problem of how do you know the category of whatever it is that causes multiple things to exist. Then whatever is beyond those gods and the created thing is what's ultimate. And so it's a real problem. Do you have anything I can read on your site about uh, polytheism? Yeah, I mean, there's... Well, I, I need to... Actually, I don't think I have anything on this, because this is a sophisticated thing, and I've only been working on it for the past three to five years. And so I've not really articulated it in a written form, but I think I need to. And so it, it, what it demonstrates here, this, this issue, is it demonstrates that polytheism is logically impossible because you don't have any ultimate source or beginning of them since they're multiples. And then we get a sidestep into what's called the, the problem of the one and the many. And I won't get into that either, but it can get sophisticated. And so polytheism can't account for truth. It can't account for anything because where did they, the, these multiple gods come from? If they're all eternal, then you're saying that there's equal ultimates of many uh, things and that is logically maybe there impossible. is though no there can't, don't, you, can't don't be. you think maybe christian presuppositions no. lead you to believe there's only one god when there may be many nope there can't be let me show you another way check out another way the laws of logic and i'll try this you know, like the law of identity something is what it is the law of non-contradiction you know the statements you can't contradict each other and both be true basic statements like this are they occur in the mind they only occur in the mind. They don't occur under rocks. All right. Well, these laws are called abstractions. They occur in the mind. And they're universal. Where do they come from? If they come from a single universal mind, then everything makes sense. If they come from multiple minds, then we have a problem of why do the multiple minds think the same thing and how can they be the source of these abstract entities called the laws of logic and it, they can't because if they're identical in their minds then they're not polytheistic but if they're polytheistic which god or gods or how does it work are the conditions by which the single abstract entities of the laws of logic have their existence and polytheism can't what i was asking is how do you determine right. between all the gods which one is the right one because well, even uh, Jehovah or Yahweh admitted there are other gods besides him. He says, uh, "No, he did not. Uh, you shall have no god before me." And that sort of acknowledges on it that there is other gods beside him. No, what he was saying in Exodus twenty, he was saying, "You shall have no other god," because they believed in many gods. They did not that there were gods, but they believed in many. You have none other besides me. And Isaiah forty three ten forty four six forty four eight forty five five. God says. There aren't any. He doesn't even know of any others. So the Christian God, Yahweh, is saying, there aren't any others. He's not even aware of any others. So, okay, so when he says, don't have any gods before me, he's just talking to the to the Jews, saying, don't follow false gods and other gods. And even in, in uh, Galatians 4, 8, and 9, when you did not serve, you serve by nature those which are not gods. And so he's talking about those, the pagans who, who believe in other gods, but they're not really gods. So, 
By the way, Matt, I got uh, one more question to ask you. Uh, if, if you want to elaborate on that, fine. But uh, I need to find out how to uh, hear you on the podcast. I got you, you on the screen right now on my laptop, and I don't know how to turn on the sound. I'm sort of new with computers, and uh, I don't know how to turn you. I want to listen to you off the phone, finish what you're saying, because uh, okay. I'm a little struggling to try to hear you on the laptop. Do you, have a, Mac and, do you have a Macintosh? I got a Windows 11. Um, Windows, okay, okay, let me, hold on. The bottom right-hand corner of Windows 11 is a is a speaker icon in the system tray. Okay. You right mouse okay, click, I, yeah, I hear you. and you go to I sound settings. Okay, good. And that's where you go to do that. I used to teach computers and stuff. So look, here's the thing that's that you got to look at. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Lord, he f- fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament, all kinds. And he raised people from the dead. He spoke and a, a storm obeyed. He commanded others to come forth from the dead and they obeyed. This is him. If he is, as he says, God in flesh, then you would expect that his birth would be special, born of a virgin, after prophecies fulfilled about this. Yeah. You'd expect you his life would be special. I, I, am not, I don't have Christian presupposition, so I can't assume Mary was really a virgin. You follow what I'm saying? You, I, 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 I hear different presuppositions you. than you do. I, I know, but I'm, I, but look, if God's going to become one of us, wouldn't his entrance into the world be special? And wouldn't his life would here be so. special? Yeah. I would think and his so, life yes. would, And his life would be special, and he could rise from the dead and do miracles. Well, that makes sense. That's exactly what Jesus did. You see? Yeah. Well, hold on. we got a break. Okay, hold on, buddy. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. And like I said earlier, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Uh, I don't know. I guess we lost him. Uh, maybe the producer could activate him if he's there or not. Looks a little strange on the screen, so won't worry about that right now. Let's get on the air then. To Buskman from Ohio. Hey, Buskman, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. I just want to thank all the uh, Ohio senators that uh, vetoed, that overrode the veto of Governor DeWine's uh, veto and as allowing our children to be just as God created them and won't allow boys to play in girls' sports here in the state of Ohio. Go, Ohio. God bless. Um, I got a question, Matt. Calvinism versus Arminianism, and I guess, brother, there was a book by uh, Mr. Dave Hunt. Um, I I let a friend of mine know, Matt, that I was a Reformed theologian, and it, it broke his heart actually. He he was he was actually concerned. Yeah, yeah. and I love this man, Matt. I love him. He's a dear dear friend of mine, yeah. and he's like, um, you got to read Dave Hunt's book. 
so Matt, if you wouldn't mind, and I can take your answer off the air, so I don't want to take up a whole lot of your show. Well, well hold on, no, no, stay on the air, stay on the air, stay on the air. But go ahead, go ahead, sir, go ahead. No, no stay on the air. I want you, you stay. Briefly, I will, I will. Thank you, sir. Um, could you briefly go over the uh, main points of Reformed theology and Arminian? You know, we choose to walk with God; it's our choice. Could you briefly? Because he is a very yeah. learned man, Matt. And you okay, can explain listening? it better than I can, brother. He, he, he probably is, sir. Okay. He probably is, sir. Yeah, I would not trust Dave Hunt, first of all, to be very knowledgeable about what Reformed theology is. Um, I've not been impressed with him in some other areas, but um, I'm very qualified to be able to speak on what it is and defend it. And, you know, I... I I have no problem. I'll be glad to talk to the guy, you know, over the phone if he wants to ask all kinds of questions. And then I can ask questions that I, I don't believe he'll be able to answer from his Armenian perspective. Now, before I tackle this really seriously, I want to say that I believe Armenians are Christians, and you don't become a Christian by becoming a Calvinist, and Calvinism is not the gospel. So that's the way it is. Now, I'll be speaking at a Reformed conference uh, next month and uh, in outside of Nashville, Tennessee. So I'll be speaking on, believe it or not, Calvinism and the gospel. All right, so what Calvinism does is simply look at the scriptures and recognize certain aspects. For example, Reformed theology, Calvinism, Reformed theology recognizes the sovereignty of God, that he can do with his creation as he desires. He's the king, not us. And we also recognize that he elects people, and we know that from the scripture because he says he elects. Those whom he chose, he also... Um, uh, well, we have been chosen from the beginning for salvation, Second Thessalonians 2.13. Uh, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, Acts 13.48. Now, what Arminians tend to do is, uh, they, in my opinion, they introduce humanist philosophy into the scriptures, man-centered ideology. What they'll say is, well, God looks into the future, or he knows who will pick him under certain conditions, and he picks them. That is a violation of the aseity of God, and the independence of God, and the non-contingency of God. Because God himself does not make choices based on our goodness. That would show partiality, and that's rejected by James 2, 2 through 4. So what we would say is, as the Bible says, in uh, Isaiah, excuse me, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart desperately wicked and deceitful, no man can trust it. Or uh, Ephesians 2, 1, it says that uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 3, we are by nature child, uh, children of wrath. Uh, Romans 6, t uh, 14 through 20, says that the unbelievers are slaves of sin. And uh, Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12 says that uh, the unbeliever doesn't seek for God, doesn't do any good. And 1 Corinthians 2, 14, talking about the unbeliever, says he cannot receive the things of God. So the Bible says that the unbeliever is a hater of God, doesn't seek for God, uh, is wicked, is dead in his sins, by nature child of wrath, cannot receive spiritual things. And so we know that that is correct because that's what the Bible says. Then we ask the question, how does someone like that just believe the gospel? They can't. Because if they could, just of their own free will, then Jesus would not have said something like, uh, in John 6, 65, he wouldn't have said, to you it has been, uh, oh, excuse me, yeah, to you it has been, you, oh, you cannot come to me unless the Father grants it to you. So if you can come to God just by your own wisdom and your own ability in your enslavement to sin, then why did Jesus say, you can't come to me unless it's granted to you by the Father? In John 6, 65. And why is it then that uh, you know God is one who grants that we have faith? Philippians 1, 29. And people say, well, they just believe of their own free will. This is humanist philosophy. 
And we're not saying that we don't have free will. Calvinists believe in free will. It's just that they believe that free will is under the sovereignty of God. He works all things after the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11. We're free, but people are only free to act in a manner consistent with their natures. And the unbeliever's nature is a hater of God, doesn't want to seek for God, doesn't do anything, etc. And so God regenerates people. By his choice, he causes us to be born again, 1 Peter 1, 1.3. We're born again, not of our own will, John 1.13. And as such, uh, because of that, we're able to freely choose, because God works in us. Well, people say they don't like that idea. Well, I don't care if they don't like it. That's what the Bible says. I'm quoting the scriptures to show you. And then we can go to Romans 9, 9 through 23, where it clearly teaches the sovereignty of God. And no, that's not about nations. It's about individuals, because individuals are the ones that are spoken of there. And the word vessel in there in Romans 9, 22 through 23, vessels, when it says a vessel, it always means an individual. And, and I've gone over this a hundred times with people. And so what we believe is uh, also an eternal security, because God chose us from the beginning, uh, he, he did. Second Thessalonians 2.13 says, You've been chosen from the beginning for salvation. And before the foundation of the world, God chose us in him, in Christ, chose us, and uh, that we would be saved, that we'd be predestined to adoption as sons. So he's the one who did all this stuff. We don't want to take credit. God gets all the glory. In Arminianism, and let me exaggerate a little bit to make the, the point, in Arminianism, it's up to you and your free will. All you need is just the right information, and it's up to you. And so you will decide, and it's up to you to believe, and it's up to you to continue. It's humanist philosophy is what it is. And so I don't say Arminians are not saved. I say that Arminians just don't have all their dots connected uh, theologically. And um, I can go on quite a bit more, but I won't. Okay? How's that? Okay, so here's what here's what he said is he goes, How can God destine humans to go to hell? So could you answer that part, Matt? Yeah, I could. Uh, well, I don't know. You know. I mean, I believe that God uh, works all things. He even makes the wicked for the day of evil. I believe he makes the wicked for the day of evil. Okay? Maybe he's saying, no, he doesn't. Well, let me read Proverbs 16.4. The Lord has made everything, even for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. See, I just quote what the Bible says as though it's my words. And people say, no, I don't agree with that. And then they find out that that is what it says. And then they reject it. What if God, this is Romans 9.22 and 23. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Now, anybody would say, well, God doesn't do that. Then you've got to deal with Proverbs 16.4 and Romans 9.22 and 23. We've got a break, so get some more notes from him. He should just call in. I'm going quickly on this. Hey, we'll be right back. You, Hold on. I will have him Hold. call you. Okay, yeah. And stay in line, too, okay? Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air with Buskman. Are you still there? I am still here, Matt. All right. All right, now, I know I went through it quickly, but uh, the 
basically all the objections that Armenians raise to me I can answer and then when I ask them uh, difficult questions they can't answer them and they don't know that there's difficult questions to be asked against their view and I know how to ask them I know what they are so if he wants to call in and have a friendly conversation I'd be glad to to do that or field questions about that or teach on it sometime okay I greatly appreciate that Matt I he uh, he listens to your program he good. loves your uh, your show um, oh, but he did say to me once Matt he says I just can't agree with him on the idea of reformed theology so well, yeah, yeah, God's sovereign we're not Matt. yeah God's sovereign we're not right. and then Go to Colossians 2.14 and see it, see what Colossians 14 says, because it's an incredible verse. Colossians 2.14. Sound good, buddy. All right. Colossians Anything else? You got another question or comment? That's it. No. You are awesome, Matt. Uh, thank you, Stu Epperson, for the Truth Network here in Dayton, Ohio, that we get to hear Matt Slick live. Um, greatly appreciated, Matt. Love you, brother. Hey, Amen. God bless. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. You're All right. Oh, there we go. Hey, we have three open lines. If you want to give me a call, you can. 877-207-2276. Let's get to Kevin from Ohio. Uh, Kevin, welcome. You're on the air. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. You never know with a cell phone. I live in a rural area. I, I've got right. two questions for you. I've been a, this is my I'm a first time caller, but I've been reading the Carm articles for for more years than I can uh, I can name. Big fan. Uh, you were talking Monday uh, about women pastors, and I, I agree with you completely on that. But you hit on something that I had suspected, uh, but you, you you hit it rather quick, and I would like you to elaborate on it. You had mentioned the progression. Uh, I can't remember exactly the numbers you gave, but something to the effect of. Uh, churches that affirm female pastors within a generation or two tend to be gay-affirming, the percentage of that. And I would like you to elaborate on that. And then I've got another question not related that I think will be maybe a little bit tougher, but I'd like you to elaborate on that because I found that. You found that? (laughs) You found it what? Are you there? Yes, yes. Okay. I wrote these articles uh, more than 10 years ago, so it's hard to remember exactly where because I did my research. But if you go to CARM and you go to the section on apologetics and then you go down to women in ministry, you'll see a lot of articles that I've written on this topic. Yes. And uh, in there, if I remember correctly, uh, let's see... um, I'm looking at the articles, and uh, excuse me, let's see, I believe it is Denominations, Women, Ordination, and Other Errors. So when you click on that, I don't see the number percent there, which it might exist someplace else, but there is where I did the uh, a chart or chart or table where I go through denominations, American Baptist, Anglican, so American Baptist, for example, ordained women started in 1964 and then approved homosexuality in the year 2000. Now, Christian Science has already ordained women, and I don't have any, I don't have any stats excuse me, listed there. The Episcopal Church uh, in 1976 ordained women, 
1973 uh, supported abortion, 1996 supported homosexuality. The Evangelical Lutheran Church ordained women in 1970, and 1991 promoted abortion, and 2006 uh, homosexuality. Now, there are other groups that don't fall into that, like National Baptist Convention, which ordains women, 1895, but I couldn't find anything supporting homosexuality. So it's not like every one of them does it. The PCUSA, uh, they started uh, ordaining them in the 30s and or 50s, depending on how you want to divide and what they say, and in 1987 started promoting homosexuality. And so you see, it just goes on, and it's it's there. And I think that's where I... I, uh, It'd probably be worth it for me to go through and do another update because it's been over ten years, you know, since I've written that. And so there's the the uh, information. Okay. I think that'd be great because, you know, you were you're Monday when you were talking. You were your primary focus. You were answering questions about female pastors. So this was really a mm-hmm. a rabbit trail. You just kind of you touched on and didn't go down. Mm-hmm. It it really intrigued me. So I I, I will look for that mm-hmm. article. Uh, my second question. This one. A little bit more difficult. I I, I love Bible study. Uh, I, I'm I'm not when I say I'm good at. I'm not saying that I'm good at. I'm comparatively when it comes to like the okay. historical, the uh, the Gospels, the Epistles. I don't struggle with them nearly as much as I do with the prophetic books or the poetic books. And I'm just looking for some maybe some generic advice to help make those a little easier to understand because I. Is it compared oh, sure. to the other ones, the ones that have, I guess you say, more hard facts to them are just mm-hmm. so much easier for me to wrap my head around. But the the prophetic and the poetic, I'm not a poetry kind yeah. of guy, you know. Uh, so just some generic advice on, on maybe wrapping my head around them a little better. Sure. Uh, easy, because I'm a, not a poetic guy either. So if you really Perfect. want to understand them better, oh, it's easy. Get on your knees and always be praying that God would open up the truth of his word to you and you ask him to teach you and over a period of time he will open the doors and give to you what you need to understand those things better okay I can't can't argue with that can you (laughs) are you there There yeah a little bit I'm I'm still here what yeah go ahead I said I can't argue with you there yeah, there was a uh, there was an old I'm trying to remember his name. He he wrote a whole commentary series, I think. And Charlie, if you remember Charlie, he was the guy who uh, taught. Um, oh man, oh wow, I hate this. Barnes, Barnes, Peter. No, anyway, anyway, there was a guy. I, I try to remember his name, and it's been so long since I had to draw this fact up. He had no college degree no seminary training and he was one of the best exegetes of scripture and he said what his technique was was to spend time on his knees asking god as you read through teach me and uh, i never forgot that okay so it's 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 amazing how you know those things but sometimes you have to rehear them you know what i mean you just need to need a need a reminder to to start start there and 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 work out from that point. But uh, yeah, I appreciate right. it very much. Thank you. You're welcome, man. No problem. I, I will right. be I'll, I'll be calling again. I I, I appreciate this. Like I said, first time caller, but I've been using the articles for a long time, and uh, I will you'll, you'll be hearing from me again. All right, sounds good, buddy. God bless. All Thanks right. a lot. God bless. Bye. You too. All right. 
Hey, hey guys, if you want to call me, all and girls, if you want to call me, 877-207-2276. Donald Gray Barnhouse. It was either him or the teacher of Donald Gray Barnhouse. I'm trying to remember, and thanks for that, Mr. Bill. That was the name, one of the names I'm trying to remember. But that's a, it's a, one of those trivia points that I got back in the early 80s. <laughs> so, it's like, whoa. You know, uh, I had to rip the cobwebs out of that one in order to, uh, to to make sense of it. Okay, let's get on the air here with Alberto. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air. Yeah, good evening, Master Should Let me a question. Should Christians mock unbelievers and, and their tragedies, like the draw, watching them be all drugged up and alcohol, or or they're all having addiction with cigarettes, like they, they mock us when a believer pastor falls? And sin, they start mocking them, making fun of them on, on TV shows. Should Christians do the same thing to them when they no. mock the unbelievers? No, no we shouldn't be uh, mocking of them. Uh, the Bible says in the last days, mockers will arise. So they will hate the things of God. And we are not to return evil for evil. But uh, you know, they slap you on one cheek, turn the other. We're to show love and patience with them as much as possible. Uh, and you know, that's so, a, it's a so, the, so the unbelievers, okay, okay. Go ahead. So the so unbelievers, so the unbelievers get that they mock the Christians, but then when tragedy comes, who who they first run to? The Christians, right? They don't run to the to the, to the very mockers, right? I can't say, I can't say all do or don't, but how mm-hmm. Christians are supposed to behave with unbelievers, and with sinners within the Christian church. Is, uh, yeah. is this way. I'll, I'll read it to you, okay? This is how it's supposed mm-hmm. to be done. He says, uh, love is patient, love is kind, is not jealous, does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. We're supposed to be living that, and it's not easy. Hey, hold on, we got a break, okay? Hold on, hold on, buddy. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We're kind of, I'm yawning between the breaks and we are um we're talking to some of the people in the chat room and stuff like that about the five hour epic thing i did last night defending the trinity and uh, it was a lot of fun for me uh there were some real rude obstreperous uh people but uh at any rate okay let's get back on the air here with alberto alberto you still there Yes, sir. Yeah, my question is too is like, should Christians make fun of other Christians because they're exposed to sin? I mean, even though it's not no. like they claim preachers claim to claim no, preachers or no. claim to the government builder sin, but reality is all it's all rigged up and set up or gossip. Or should Christians mock attack other Christians? I mean, they, you ask so many different to. things right there. If you did one okay. question that was a simple question instead okay. of who, what, man, but because that, and then you go on, okay. I don't know how to answer that kind of question. So, so, so in other words, should Christians uh, attack other Christians, in other words? Or, or depends on what it is. Sin, just, depends. Just to make, just to, just to mock. Well, oh, oh. 
ask a simple question and then hold on, okay? Okay. Should they attack other Christians? Okay. Well, it depends on what's going on. Yeah. Because if they're rebellious and they're in sin, then yes, they should do that. Not publicly. You should go to them privately. You do it in order, okay? All right? Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Oh, wait, wait, before you go, what's that thing you're talking about just now about that five-hour Trinity thing? What is that? It's on, it's on YouTube or something or what? Yeah, it's on Standing for Truth. Uh, I thought it was going to be a debate, and, and you know, I didn't know. <laughs> I wasn't defending the Trinity. And it was on, is the the is Jesus the Father or is the Father the, uh, Jesus or one of those? And, uh, well, it's easier to say, no, he's not, you know. And so uh, we get on there, and... and um, and Donnie Vabinsky's a great guy. Uh, you know, I find out, and he told me, I just got so much doing it. It's like, whatever. You know, I forgot. And he goes, We're going to have people come in. And like 200 people were waiting or something like that. And uh, they just fire questions at me. And they did. It was only for five hours. And uh, some of the guys were just obstreperous. I mean, uh, one guy kept interrupting me over and over and I, and I finally said you've got to stop doing that if you ask me a question and he'd interrupt me and I'd say would you please not interrupt me he goes I'm not interrupting you and I go dude I'm, I'm, I'm I said he goes I don't interrupt mm-hmm. you I said you just interrupted me while I'm asking you not to interrupt me <laughs> you know it was it was like that mm-hmm. and uh then another mm-hmm. guy came on and he he was even worse he had no interest in dialogue. He only had interest in, mm-hmm. in tell, telling me what the truth was, and I had to submit. It was just stuff like that. It was never, you know, some jerks. But uh, well, then, with some other guys who didn't leave, the Trinity came on, and we had good discussions. Mm-hmm. Where was that? At? Wait, wait, wait. Watch is that at? Well, if you go to, uh, I believe, if you go to karm.org forward slash calendar, uh, it should have. Okay. Uh, the link there for for yesterday. Let's see, Karm.org calendar. I'm just you know right now. And uh, uh, let's see. Well, how come it's not there? It was there. It was there yesterday. Okay, Laura, what mm-hmm. happened? Um, it was there yesterday. So unless this is only get to the weekly, maybe gotta hit the weekly thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I'm confused. It was there yesterday. I don't know why it's not there now. Okay? So mm. just go to uh, Standing for Truth. Look for that. Standing and, for Truth. Uh, Standing for Truth okay. uh, 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 on YouTube. Just type it, yes, yes, yes. Uh, YouTube, okay. Yeah, I had the same problem, too, with my deacon in the church. I to go up north. He was constantly interrupting me. He's not willing to hear what I have to say. He is not willing to listen. They can't have a dialogue with people like that. They're not willing to they don't, they don't want to respect your views and stuff. They just cut you off and scream, yell. I had a same yeah. problem too. Church has to go to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, it does thank happen. You. Yeah, I found the URL, and if you go to Standing for Truth on uh, on there, uh, open debate is Jesus the Father. Okay, Matt Slick and stuff like that. So okay. there it is. Okay, all right on YouTube. Okay, all right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Okay. I'll share with some friends of mine too, and all that. That's all right, too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Yeah, I actually got upset with some of those guys. Wow, I actually did. I got upset with some of these guys. I told them to stop, you know, because they were so bad, so rude. Hey, let's get on the air with, let's see, that'll be Tamar from North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Hi, thank you so much. So I was calling in. It's my first time listening in. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, just listening in for the short amount of time, one of the questions that arose was, you know, um, where does it come into play or 
how important do you feel like it is when it comes to obeying what Jesus has commanded when he said, you know, to go out, his last, what he commanded was to go out and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. It's very important because he said it. We should do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? How do you, how does, how, how does that get explained? And what is that, from your perspective, you know, how would you say to a new believer, what does that look like? Because I was listening to the last gentleman um, also, and part of the, the part of, you know, the church, um, part, part of the church's job is to instruct, to correct, right? Um, and also well, you're doing, to... Wait, 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 wait. You're doing several questions now. So I'd like to do one at a time because because you have good oh, questions. Sorry. So that's all right. It's all right. So what does it look like for us to make disciples? Well, it can take many forms for different people. So me, for example, I do radio. I do debates. I write books. I do website. But what if you have a a, a mom, just a good Christian mom raising kids? Is that making disciples? Absolutely. Yes, it is. And if she's raising the kids in a godly way, what about a, a mechanic uh, or a, a waiter, a waitress? See, they have jobs and they're supposed to do them under the Lord and use their giftings, whether it's financial or prayerful or by hands, going out and trying to evangelize. Now, they can go door to, door to door if they want, or they can go on the net and do it like I do, or they can be supportive of people in ministry they can tithe uh, and then they can give uh, tithes and offerings to help support ministries that do that there's lots of of a variety of ways people i I remember once i love this this is my favorite ones when we had babies you know my wife and i had babies we found a a ministry Mm -hmm. of women and i just loved this they would knit little caps head caps for the bald babies and take them to the new moms at the hospital, you know, and they would use that opportunity to witness. I thought, that is awesome. So it can be different for different people, okay? You there? Okay, so it's different for different people, but Jesus, mm-hmm. he gave, like, um, specific instructions. Like, so I do agree, you know, that um, when it comes to when it comes to, you know, being a mom, you know, maybe you have to, you have to think outside the box, but, you know, making disciples, um, is, is more than, it's, te- mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, being a student, you know, and mm-hmm. in order to teach someone, you know, you have to have a relationship, right? And yes. I think about, like, when I look at the Bible and I look at the Word and I look at how Jesus taught people, one of the things was he was an example, and so they followed him. Um, yes. And that was he gave the example of what discipleship was. Like he mm-hmm. even talked about he did what pleased the Father, right? So even Jesus yes. did, he was following what the Father did. And so even yes. though, like, when, you know, your tithing is different than discipleship, because tithing is giving and all, giving of 10% of, it, of your money, whereas discipleship okay. is... As Can I ask what church you go to? Can I ask what church you go to? I go to a church called Newness of Life. Called what? It's called Newness of Life. Newness of Life? Is it Church of Christ, by any chance? Nope, it's non-denominational. Oh, okay, good. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So, because I won't tell you why, but um, okay. So the church, as a whole, the church you go to is the pastors are supposed to equip the Christians for the work of ministry. Ephesians four, eight through yeah. twelve. They're supposed to do that, and a lot of pastors, in my mm-hmm. opinion, are not doing that. They're just babysitting them. So. They need to equip them with doctrine, with knowledge, with how to evangelize, with all this stuff, so that they can start doing that. So when they do their things, whichever way that the Lord ordains for them, that they would then hopefully work with them and disciple them on a regular basis. Tonight, for example, I teach Bible study, and people come over and people watch. I do radio. I've been doing radio for 23 years. So there's different ways of discipling. Mm Mm-hmm. But you, okay. but you said just now, I love what you said just now, because you, you made it a point to say that people come to you, to your house, and they mm-hmm. watch you. Um, so yeah. that would be more so discipleship, because you're teaching them, right? You're watching them, yes. right? And you're getting, you're getting them scriptural-based teaching from mm-hmm. the Word. You're teaching mm-hmm. them how to, right, live before God, and things like that's an example. So that's a little different than, you know, you giving for someone or you caring for someone you, right? Because if you're doing that, I mean, those are acts of kindness. Okay, okay, right? hold, hold, okay. Love and be kind. I got you. Do you have another question, though? you have a, a question related to all of this? Yeah, so my question was just centered around, you know, what does, does that, you know, true discipleship, you know, look like? How does that, how important is it to obey? How does it look, what does it look it's like? It's not based off of, like, your, yeah. So like, what does true discipleship of, like, look situation? like? Yeah. Yes. Like I said, it's different for different people because different people have different abilities and callings by God. The church as a whole is supposed to equip them to be able to do what they can where they are. It doesn't mean you always, in every instance, everybody has to have people that come over to their house or that they're discipling like that. It doesn't mean that. But it can mean it for some people, but not for others. Different people have different uh, needs and different abilities and giftings. But overall, that's supposed to happen, okay? Discipleship uh-huh. is. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. If you have a mom, for example, who's raising kids at home, and she, that's 90% of her life right there, and I'm not knocking, that's a wonderful thing. Is she going to be able to go out and disciple a bunch of other women? Maybe, maybe not. You know, my wife, for example, she has medical issues, and when she was raising our kids and I was working, she wasn't able to go do a whole bunch of stuff because she physically couldn't do it. She has some rare conditions. And so she, her job primary, primarily was to, was to, you know, be with the kids, you know, as I went to work, you know, that kind of thing. So her situation is different than mine or yours. So we can't say one size fits all. The instructions that Jesus gave was to the church as a whole. And how that works with individuals is different. Because you go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, you'll find that different people have different giftings. And... That's yeah, but the so giftings, do they, they, he didn't reference the giftings when he gave that instruction. He just said to obey him and to teach those to obey I, him. I got I think you. That, I got you. But the yeah. thing is, the scriptures as a whole tell us that some people are gifted in different ways by the work of the Spirit. So we take the whole of scripture. And so different people have different yes, callings. Yes, I agree times. with that. You do take the whole of the, of the scripture. However, you know, I I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get understanding, like, from your perspective, just on that, because, you know, I I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't live your wife's lifestyle, you know, I can't speak from necessarily that perspective, um, but I, I can speak from perspective of being a mom and a wife and, and all that, and I think Mm -hmm. that, um, that Jesus sees your situation, and, and that he makes a way for you to obey him. 
Yes, he does. That's and what it's I'll different say. for different people at different times. And we should all seek to serve our Lord Jesus wherever we can and mm-hmm. to expand the kingdom of God. Okay? All right? And there's the music we got to get going there. Okay, Tamar? Okay, thank you. All right. God bless. All right. Sorry, Anne from Virginia. Why don't you call back? We could talk about that, about the poetry stuff tomorrow. Hey, folks, we'll be right back. Or not back. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.